we invested everything we had in 787. When Hurricane Maria happened, in four hours, we lost what we had. So doing business the way we had done it the previous years was not an option. For me, going back with investment again, it was a lot more uh, difficult to make that decision, but ultimately gave us the DNA of the company. Welcome back to the Fifth Wave Podcast. I'm Jeffrey Young, Editor-in-Chief of Fifth Wave. Today we're finishing off our three-part interview series, speaking with some of New York's leading boutique coffee businesses. Here we catch up with Brandon Pena and Sam Sepulveda, co-founders of 787 Coffee. Originally founded in 2017, 787 Coffee is one of the fastest growing boutique coffee chains in New York City. They now operate 17 stores in NYC, two in El Paso, Texas, and four in their native Puerto Rico, where they also operate their own coffee farm. In this conversation, they discuss what it means to be a leader, their responsibility to their staff and community, and the unexpected silver linings and new opportunities that have come from surviving the impact of Hurricane Maria and also the pandemic. Welcome, guys. Thanks for having us. I wanted you to tell us a little bit about the name 787. Where does that come from? 787 is the area code of Puerto Rico. So when you're calling Puerto Rico, it's 787. We bought the farm in Puerto Rico. We're from Farm to Cup um, Business. We That's where we have a farm. I am not Puerto Rican. So I'm going to Puerto Rico all the time. I wanted the coffee to resemble the essence and the energy of Puerto Rico without saying Puerto Rico. And then all of a sudden, I'm listening to a radio station and I hear people say, if you want to buy this, call 787-787-787. I'm like, that's it. Every Puerto Rican knows what 787 stands for. What made you launch this business? The love and the passion for coffee. I am a marketing major. Sam is an airplane pilot. He flies okay. commercial. He's a captain. And I had an advertising agency and we wanted to invest. It was going well. 2013, 2014, we had the cash to invest. What do we invest in? And we realized he's passionate about agriculture and coffee. I am passionate for business and coffee. And that's when we decided to buy 103 acres in the town of Maricao in Puerto Rico. And we started investing in coffee, which is our passion. We both had a dream of opening a coffee shop one day, of growing coffee, of doing good for our community, representing our values and our culture and what we stand for. And that's basically what drove us into the coffee business. Now, Sam, how, how, does, how do you get from airline pilot to coffee farm operator? Tell us about your journey. My piloting dream, you know, started, of course, when I was a little kid. But same with that, I always had a passion for agriculture. So I became an airline pilot, uh, but that agriculture interest was always there. And what better to combine coffee you know, than any other crop. Yeah. And we went for coffee. How many stores now currently? You've gone really rapidly as far as I can see looking around the streets of New York City. We have, we have. It took 20 years in the making. So yeah. it's, it's fast, but not really. It might seem as opening fast, but it, it's been a lot of work. Once we bought the farm in 2014, the original idea of Hacienda Iluminada in Puerto Rico was to sell green beans to Denmark, Scandinavian countries, and Japan. That was the original idea. Some of the challenges we were learning as we were buying the farm, we, he had no experience in coffee. I had no experience in coffee other than drinking coffee. One of the things we realized from drinking coffee is that in the US, 99% of the coffee shops 
in America buy beans from Colombia, Brazil, or Vietnam. Very few places sell coffee of coffee grown in the U.S. So that was one of the first learnings. Only Hawaii and Puerto Rico grow coffee in the U.S. governed by the Federal Agriculture Department. So we knew we had a big challenge. We knew we had to learn how, not only coffee and agriculture, but how do we give value to our coffee beans so people actually appreciate paying an extra dollar because it's grown here, not imported here. And that was the biggest challenge. And that's how everything started. We opened the farm. We traveled basically every single um, coffee origin before we started operating. As we're cleaning the farm, as we're getting everything ready, we went from Rwanda all the way to Guatemala to see what makes coffee specialty coffee. And then we went back to the farm, started working in coffee, and that's Sam's expertise. Yeah, so like Brandon mentioned, it all started pretty much as a socioeconomic project because we wanted to make the difference. It just wasn't a business. We wanted to make a difference, especially with people, helping others. And uh, yeah, we visited pretty much every single coffee origin in the world, learning, in my case, especially the those little details of producing specialty coffee. Uh, weather, soil, geography, coffee grown on the shade. That really interests me and I kept on getting more depth and depth into the production of specialty coffee, especially on the agricultural side of the we started opening coffee shops at the beginning of 2017. When September came, we had four coffee shops in New York City, pop-ups, and we had one in Puerto Rico, so a total of five. And in September 2017, we got hit by the largest hurricane in the history of Puerto Rico, in 100 years at least, Hurricane Maria. So it destroyed 90%, 97% of our farm, and we had to close all of our shops. And that really gave us the value. And what do we want to do? And where do we want to take the company to? When did you open back those coffee shops in New York City? We opened back in November 2018. So it took us about a year to recoup, to understand the DNA in the culture. When you open a business, yes, of course, you're there to make money. And we invested everything we had in 787. Asset pilot, his 401k, as a, as a business owner, I sold my advertising agency. Everything went there. When Hurricane Maria happened, in four hours, we lost what we had. So doing business the way we had done it the previous years was not an option. And one of our coworkers called and said, when are we reopening? Because the mountain behind my house just collapsed because of the hurricane. I have a three-month-old baby and I have no formula or diapers. This is all we have, 787. And he really took us into a, an emotional and really serious talk we, we had to have and say, do we really want to go back to it? Sam is Puerto Rican and obviously his heart was there. He's like, yes, let's do it. For me, going back with the investment again, it was a lot more uh, difficult to make that decision but ultimately gave us the DNA of the company. We're there, like Sam said earlier today, to impact the community, to make it a socioeconomic plan. And we, we have seen how the community, Maricao is the, one of the highest unemployment towns in the US. I believe at some point they were at 17%. And being able to change that and being able to be a part of the, of the community has really given us perspective. So you opened back November, 2018. Did you open? Quite a few at the same time or what, no, just one at a time? We started with one little shop, 7th Street, in the East Village in New York City. 
very tiny place, 350 square feet. That's all we could afford. We started with basic stuff, basic Ikea chairs, one communal table, wood, and a bar with a Nueva Simonelli, and then working super hard, um, long hours, giving it our best. With a lot of doubts and a lot of questions, but with one very clear mission of wanting to grow and believing mm-hmm. and loving what our passion for coffee and mm-hmm. for what we were building, not just for us, but for the people in Puerto Rico growing coffee. Yeah. I remember one day leaving the shop. It was a Saturday night. A 30-some-year-old man with a master's degree, speaking multiple languages, having amazing agencies and doing a lot of great work. But that day I was cleaning a shop because I couldn't afford to hire anyone else to close that day. And I felt so dirty and I felt so tired after a 16-hour day. And it's Friday, Saturday night. I'm walking back home. And I see all these beautiful people having dinner outside of New York City in this village. And I questioned myself and I said, what am I doing when I can get an advertising job and just go back to an agency? And then the dream was there. It's, this is what you want. You see the vision. When you go to the farm, it feels like it's the right thing. It's, this is your base. There's a lot more than just money and credit cards. And then that questioning came back and said, all these people are probably having an amazing time. They're probably paying with a credit card that they own in a job that they hate and they don't stand for anything and they're not fighting to be the human they want to be. And here I am believing in something. For the first time in my life, I get to stand in a farm with complete darkness, no electricity, seeing the stars and feeling full and giving jobs to people there. And then that moment of doubt became certainty. And I just knew it was the right thing. And I was surrounded by an amazing support. So it's over 20 stores now. Tell us about the estate you've got in New York City. We have uh, 17 in New York City. We have four in Puerto Rico. Okay. Uh, we have two in El Paso, Texas. Yeah. And all that's happened over the last four to five years. And with COVID in between. Yeah. And another hurricane that hit the farm. So well, tell us about COVID. How did that affect your business? It was a blessing for us. Another opportunity to wake up and and appreciate life. You see, COVID for almost everyone was a, it was of guard, right? We were just hit by Hurricane Maria. So we learned a couple of things. One of them, we need to have cash in our bank accounts. We need to do business like a small little business. We didn't see value in having branded napkins. We didn't see value in spending a lot of money in decoration. We saw value in giving the consumer attention love and a great product in a small little cozy shop. So when COVID happened, we we were in a situation very different than 2017 when we had to close everything. At that point, we were actually in a position where we could acquire closing coffee shops. So as people were closing, we were buying and acquiring and growing and expanding and learning, not in panic mode, but in, we know we're we're resilient. We know we're going to be okay. It's a matter of time. So let's stay strong. Let's stay focused. Let's continue to have our meetings, even if we're going back to our hometown. This is time for us to go inside and learn and and try to innovate and try to see what can we learn from this. And that's why 787 grew 851%. That's when the Financial Times came up to us and said, you're one of the fastest growing companies in America and in Brazil. And it was because of COVID, because we didn't panic. We had learned from Hurricane Maria. So there are more stores coming in New York City very soon? More stores in New York City, more stores in Texas. We want to continue to expand in, in new markets. But we also see, we just opened, like Sam said, two in El Paso, and they're thriving. 
people are excited. I feel more now than ever, people want to be able to connect with the origin of the product from the source. I think we've learned so much from big retailers closing and you're buying clothes directly from the vendor, you're buying phones directly from the producer and the designer and the manufacturer. It's everything's going back to that origin. And I think with coffee, we have people that go to the farm. We do tours every single Saturday and people from New York go to the farm to see the coffee they're drinking. They like that transparency of things. How many more stores would we expect to see in New York City from you over the next few years? We're no rush, Jeff. If we've learned something through all this time is we are enjoying the journey. We have a goal. We know exactly what we want, which is a hundred stores. That is the milestone and that's the goal. And that's what we're all working to get there. But we did not say when, um, we really want to enjoy the process. So a hundred stores, that's a big, that's a big number. How's all that going to be funded? The way we've done it today, it's been self-funded. We believe in the power of, of, of us, the people, the, 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 the coworkers, the, the customer. We understand that our, without a customer, there's no us. And we have that very clear and it's everywhere. So because of our customers and the loyalty and the returning customers, we've been able to grow. And do we want to grow fast? We probably would need funding. We probably want to partner with the right humans. Um, but we are not going to accept money because we need money. We're not corporate America. I have an accent when I speak and I love it. I am brown and I love it. I get to tell my coworkers, let's take Christmas off without being questioned. We're able to give our, co- our caffeinated customers a free drink without being questioned. And we won't accept anything different. I think that's what has worked for us and that's what we want to continue to do. And let's talk about your ultimate partner, the staff that work in your stores every day. What are you looking for in the type of person that's going to work for 787? We're looking for humans. I had a really cool conversation with a wonderful, wonderful human a long time ago. And this human told me, you can train anyone to do anything as long as there's trust. So what are we looking for? For someone that we can trust. That's how we hire. Our interview process is long. Our interview process is tedious. Our interview process is unconventional. What do we ask? Questions such as, if I could grant you a wish, what would it be and why? If there's money involved, we don't want to work with you. But if you want to buy your mom a house or if you want to change the world, we want to work with you. We want to know what kind of a human are you? Are you positive? Are you negative? We're looking for energetic. People come to us for energy, for caffeine. So we are the inspiration and the battery for energy and for caffeine. And moving on to your employees at the farm, Sam, how many kind of um, people are working on the farm there? We get a team of 25. 25. Puerto Rico is small and it's a very rural place. The new generations, they don't want to work the land. So it's hard to find farmers, good farmers. When we first got at the, uh, at the farm in Maricao, Everybody was like, who these people are? They're, they don't belong here, you know, because we were the new kids City there, guys. right? <laughs> yeah, what are they doing here? But we definitely gained their trust. Now, pretty much every single day, we get farmers, we get people that want to work at the farm. So it feels amazing to be able to change their lives for better. Now, in this amazing journey, um, is there anything that you, you would have wished you'd done differently? Everything we have done 
it has made us stronger for sure. I, I agree hundred percent, but I also believe in the entrepreneurial journey, everything is a master's degree. If we have a sense of gratitude and we see the positive when we learn, it actually helps get ready for the unexpected to happen. It will. And it also develops a lot of the traits a leader should have. Things will get tough. They will. It's the ability to overcome those things. And I wouldn't change anything. It's been a beautiful journey. Thanks, guys, for joining us here today on Fifth Wave. Thanks for the invite. We really enjoyed it. And that's all for this week's Fifth Wave podcast. Please subscribe to Fifth Wave wherever you get your podcasts. And if you've enjoyed this show, please recommend us to a friend or colleague. And if you want to stay informed, visit worldcoffeeportal.com to get access to all the latest global coffee news, including the Weekly Coffee Dose, our newsletter collecting all the big coffee news stories of the week. This episode was recorded in PT Knitwear Studio on Orchard Street in New York City. It was produced by myself, Jeffrey Young, Hannah Heath, and sound engineering by Chris Brister. And this week's song in collaboration with the Coffee Music Project is is Welcome to the Boogie by Karen Aberu. And until next time, stay safe, stay passionate, and I hope you enjoy the New York Coffee Festival. Welcome to the boogie, the boogie, the boogie. The Bronx is in.